SAFM Sports Wrap. This is SAFM Sports Wrap, and uh, big news coming out of the PSL today is that uh, CEO, Brunt de Villiers, has stepped down, and uh, he joins us now, and it sounds weird saying this, but former, I think, PSL CEO, Brunt de Villiers, welcome onto the show. Thanks for, for chatting to us. Thank you for having us. Brunt, big decision, uh, stepping down. It's, it's one that you're moving on, and we'll, we'll chat about what the future holds for you. But uh, you, you've been in, in charge at the PSL for, for uh, just over two years now. Uh, are you happy with the time that you, you spent and, and what you've been able to achieve with uh, the Premier Soccer League? Yeah, no, I've been at a fantastic time, and it was an absolutely a privilege to, to be part of the PSL and the soccer fraternity and be able to, you know, to do what I do um, for the last two and a half years, nearly. So, yes, it's, it's been an amazing experience. Brunt, you, you took over at the helm at a, at a time, at a difficult time for, for the PSL. Obviously, it was uh, from, from Cambridge Mokonyana, who was acting CEO following Stan Matthews' uh, stay. It's a difficult time to take over, but uh, you, you almost steadied the ship and, and things have gone from strength to strength uh, under your, under your, or, or during your tenure. I think the PSL is a big organisation, you know, so... I don't, uh, I'm for one moment saying that uh, an individual is what it's about. You know, the organization continues and will continue in the future and will grow from strength to strength. You know, there's all the processes and uh, things are in place, you know, and, uh, you know, the life will go on tomorrow. Brunt, as far as where, where you're off to, I mean, the reason for you stepping down, what's, uh, what, what is the reason for that? Well, uh, I've been approached by... Uh, multi-choice to for a, a position, you know, and I've considered it and uh, it's been discussed with, uh, you know, the expo and uh, the chairman, you know, and uh, they've agreed to, to let me go before the end of my contract, you know, so I'm going to take a position with multi-choice. Obviously, there is a connection between multi-choice and, and the PSL with the sponsorship of the, the Super Disky League. Uh, everyone happy with the move that, that there's no conflict of interest, so to speak? And, and will you still be working closely with the PSL in your new role? No, I won't be uh, working closely with the PSL. I'll obviously, within the same group of things, uh, I'll be based in Dubai, you know, looking after the multi-choice Africa business or forming part of the uh, multi-choice Africa business. And as, as far as that relationship between multi-choice and the PSL, that's obviously still strong and, and that contract's still in place. Nothing changes there from the sponsorship of uh, the Super Disky League? No, of course not. Uh, I mean, uh, uh, fantastic partners and you know, I think both parties can uh, be happy to have each other as partners and it's a relationship that I know will last in, in the foreseeable future. Well, Brunt, thank you so much for your time this evening on SAFM Sports Trap. And also, just from us, thank you for always making yourself available whenever there were issues to chat. We do appreciate it. And we want to wish you all the best on your, your future endeavours uh, in, in Dubai. Good luck. Thank you. Thank you very much for having me. Thank you for giving us all this time. The future of Gauteng is here. It's time for an efficient government, eliminating wastage, empowering the people of Gauteng. This is e-governance. Government at a touch of a button. E-governance aims to eradicate red tape, leading to shorter queues and quicker service. The Gauteng Provincial Government will be hosting an e-governance and ICT summit, 2nd to 3rd of November 2015. Gallagher State Conference Center, Midrand. Space is limited. For more information, go to egovsummit.gauteng.gov.za. I also understood that education was the way to break the poverty cycle.
if there is an opportunity to learn from people without receiving a certificate, that's also the best education that uh, I could ever ask for. Talani Madondo was raised by his mother in a one-room shack that he shared with his seven siblings. He now uses his experience to support and motivate youth from similar backgrounds. Find the story of Tulani and many other South African icons of tomorrow on 21 Icons, Sundays at 7.27 p.m. Find it on SABC3. Parliament's Select Committee on Security and Justice invites stakeholders and interested parties to submit written submissions on the Judicial Matters Amendment Bill, the Defence Laws Repeal and Amendment Bill, and the Criminal Matters Amendment Bill. Email submissions to gdixon at parliament.gov.za. For more info, contact Mr. Dixon on 012-403-3771. To obtain copies, please visit www.parliament.gov.za or send an SMS to 34020. SMSs cost one rand fifty. Closing date for submissions is the 20th of November 2015. This message is brought to you by the Parliament of SA. We're not all talk. Our playlist is pretty hot too. SAFM, keeping the temperature soaring all summer. This is Sport on SAFM, every supporter's greatest resource. This is South Africa's news and information leader and in the last 24 hours there have been some huge uh, revelations coming out of the World Anti-Doping uh, Association and uh, that report that was uh, released yesterday, some damning allegations and obviously the story will unfold but uh, the IAAF under huge, huge pressure uh, following the, uh, the details of that report and uh, we thought we'd chat to someone who is coming from an athlete's point of view and it's interesting because Sebastian Coe is probably one of the best middle distance athletes that uh, Britain have ever produced he's heading up the IAAF and he's one of the guys who's under severe pressure but uh, South African sprinter Matthew Quinn joining us now I should say former South African sprinter Matt welcome onto the show nice to catch up once again uh, in, in, in a nutshell your take on this report that was released yesterday I mean some damning allegations against not just the Russian Athletics Federation but the governing body no, definitely. I mean, there's a lot. The sports in the it was probably one of its lowest points ever. And you know, you look at what's been happening in Russia. It's a government-funded, government-controlled doping system. It's, it just, you know, you kind of look at everything and you just go, well, what's real and what's not real? And now IWF have a lot to answer for. You know, the past government or or who do you call them? The leaders of the IWF have a lot to answer for. They've agreed, they've found them that they've they've been allegations of bribery and corruption and you name it. And, you know, it's becoming too often in sport that we hear those sort of words. Uh, it's time that, you know, and I hope said Coe's the right man to step in there and actually clean it up and, and move forward. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see what does happen because he is under massive pressure. But from from an athlete's point of view, Matt, you, you stopped competing uh, as an athlete sort of in the early 2000s. This, this goes back quite a long way, but there's been sort of suspicions and thoughts of, of doping in, in athletics, and it's not just around uh, Russia. I mean, if you think to, to the, the old sort of West Germany, there's always been this sort of speculation. From an athlete's point of view, I mean, while you were racing, did you suspect that this sort of stuff was happening all around you? Was was the, the the stuff you would use to dope readily available as an athlete? Could you find this stuff? Jeez, you're asking for I never found anything. I don't know if it was readily available. You know what? Back in the, I mean, I'm going back to 2004. Obviously, you thought everyone was using it. I mean, that was the thing. I actually went back and I looked at my the 2000 Sydney Olympic race, the quarterfinal that I ran in. Five of the guys in that race tested positive since that race. 
So it was definitely being done, and there was Nigerians, there was US, there was, there was Great Britain. So right now with this, the, with this report, they kind of have focused in on Russia and only one federation because that's where all the evidence is leading. But, I mean... <laughs> Yeah, like I said in the in the beginning, it's all about your chemist. If you, you know, there's been groups. So if you think about the Balco scandal, all of those sort of things, that all plays into it. And that's, this is just the next scandal in sport. And is this something we're going to have to get used to when you're looking at it as a professional uh, game? You know, people are earning big, massive amounts of money. There's huge endorsements out there. Does this sort of thing go hand in hand with it? You know, it's an unfortunate thing to think, but uh, it kind of makes sense if you look at it from that way. Matthew, you mentioned that race that you ran in, in Sydney and, and the amount of people that have tested positive since then. This investigation obviously is pointing the finger squarely at, at the Russian Athletics Federation. Are we, are we risking it here that we're focusing squarely our attention as, as media and public and athletics lovers onto Russia, that we're almost ignoring the rest of the Athletics Federations, that what's happening in Russia is deflecting what's actually happening in the entire world of athletics? I think, do you know what the thing is? I think if we go back, I mean, we talk about East German times when the guys, the uh, governments run dr- drug programs, you know, when they controlled sport. We, we saw uh, women coming out looking like men and all those sort of things. It's the same thing in Russia, and that's, I think, why they focus on it. The government's actually got behind this whole doping scandal and sort of controlled it, allowed athletes to test positive, clean, covered it up, and, you know, allowed them to sort of compete at higher levels when they would, would test clean, that's the sort of thing, and I think that's why they focused on it. But in reality, let's, you, you've got to look at it. If you look at Balco scandal, you look at any of the doping things that have come up, you've got athletes from Great Britain, from, from Europe, from the USA, from Jamaica, from Kenya. You know, there's massive doping issues at the moment within the sport, and it doesn't sound like I'm not painting a pretty picture here, but it, unfortunately that's the reality of it. If we look at all these countries that have been sort of... <coughs> um, all the latest reports that have been coming out, Kenya's been suspected. There's... Um, Jamaica, there was Jamaicans weren't getting tested properly. You know, there's always stories that are coming out that always adds that thing: are, are these athletes clean? Are the performances we've seen legitimate? People go out there and run amazing times, jump distances that we've never seen, heights and all that sort of thing. We sit there as spectators and as fans of the sport, and we go, "Is this real?" You know, and that's where we've got to get to. You know, we've got to get past all of that where we can actually watch the events and go, "Wow, that was a great performance." But are we as Sam's going to be happy with a, an athlete running 10 seconds to win a race compared to 958. Nine, you know, and I'm not saying any, I'm just saying fast times. It could be an 800, it could be a 400. Mm-hmm. You know, we've got, a, as spectators, we demand, we want people to perform, and that's what we want. And all of that comes hand in hand with what the problem we see right now. Matthew, one of the things that's come out of this report is the IWF has known about this issue for a while now. If you look at the criminal proceedings and, and, and uh, sort of investigations that are taking place, it's, it doesn't bode well for, for the world governing body. As a former athlete yourself, hearing something like this, where there were allegations made, if you look at the German documentaries and, and, and what's been happening over the years, does it make you angry that the IWF have, have let this slide and it's got to this so far down the line? Absolutely. I mean, that's, 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 I think, the major crux is you've got the IWF and you've got a country actually condoning and, you know, colluding together to, to allow doping. I mean, that's just, that, that's, I think, the lowest any sport can go. You know, when the federation, the head of the federation, is taking bribes to cover up things, when samples are getting destroyed at in, what they call independent testing stations, then you've got to start asking questions. 
You know, that's that's what that's the frustrating thing is. And look, there are a lot of athletes out there that are running team that are make doing amazing things. You know, on the track and in all forms of sport, and it just paints all those guys with the same brush as the Russians, as anyone that tests positive in the last couple of years. And it is, it's terrible. Where you know the IWF needs to be that federation or that that icon that stands up and says, "No, we're going to clean the sport." You know, said Co. <coughs> I was watching an article last night. John Snow from this, I think it's Channel Four in the UK had a full-on go with him. He says, "You've been the VP for seven years of the IWF." Were you asleep on the job, or are you corrupt? He asked him blatantly straight out. You know, and these are the questions that now people are going to ask every single time someone gets elected, someone gets involved in sport. They're cleaning up the sport. All these big statements that they make, but at the end of the day, when you've got a federation or a national body, a government and the head and wadded covering things up, you've just got to ask yourself, there's some serious issues. Yeah, it's good to think how, how wide and how deep this whole thing is going to run. We'll watch this closely, but I think there are going to be huge repercussions. Matthew Quinn, thank you so much once again for joining us here on SAFM Sports Trap. Always great to catch up, and we look forward to chatting again. Thanks, Brad. Let me know when you enjoy it, yeah? We catch up. SAFM Sports Trap. Well, the drama continues, and uh, interesting Matthew Quinn's thoughts from an athlete's perspective, but I thought I'd get a, a sports scientist's perspective on the whole issue now, and it's a great pleasure to welcome onto SAFM Sports Wrap this evening, Professor Ross Tucker. Ross, welcome. Nice to, nice to catch up once again. She bombshell yesterday. I mean, not, not, not too many surprises. We, we all sort of suspected what was happening, but uh, it's damning when, when you actually hear it and see it on paper. Yeah, thanks, Brad. We only seem to talk when there's a crisis, which unfortunately happens often. Eh? Like, it's a different month, but the same thing, just coming around. We, we seem to be stuck in an orbit of anti-doping or doping scandals. And this one is not new in concept, but uh, I think that the difference is the level of detail that was provided in that report yesterday. Some of the things and, and the, just the scale of what was happening in Russia uh, seems to be what separates this, you know. So it's... Uh, it's probably, and then there's more to come, right? Because the, the report didn't go into the alleged bribery and extortion within the IAAF to cover up these tests. But collectively, I think this might be one of the biggest sporting scandals in history. And and unfortunately, that's the point we've gotten to. You know, we, we think we've gotten to the bottom and then something else happens. Yeah, Ross, for me, that's probably the most disturbing. I mean, it, it's one thing having, and, and it was pretty much called it yesterday, state-sponsored doping on, on the Russian Federation's point of view. But the world governing body has covered this up. They've, they've known about it. They've been aware of, uh, of it for, for a while. I mean, there have been documentaries, particularly the, the German one a couple of years ago, where, where Lord Sebastian Coe, who's now president of the IAAF, uh, had... had a lot to say about it and saying that they won't back down and fight and, and yesterday he, he almost came across as being really surprised and, and this blindsided him that he wasn't aware of it it doesn't bode well for him at the helm but it, it definitely doesn't bode well for the IAAF yeah how can you say one month after having attacked the reports made by an investigative journalist in a documentary how can you now claim that this is a complete surprise and you're staggered and shocked at the scale of it when one month ago, you were attacking exactly the same allegations made by a different source. It's, it was an unbelievable thing for Sebastian Coe to come out to say. And just, just for listeners, the, the backdrop is that this report yesterday was actually initiated because of an investigative journalist. It wasn't the sport cleaning up its own mess. It was a German documentary maker who went into Russia and he found whistleblowers and 
he put together the story, which then Waters saw and said, hang, we got to look into this. And that's what culminated with that report yesterday. And so what we've got is a, is a governing body with a new president who wants us to believe that he was in a position high up in that organization for seven years. Remember, he was its vice president before he became president. And now he wants to say that he didn't have any inkling of what was going on, even though he actually attacked allegations of exactly this six weeks ago. It's, it just doesn't inspire any confidence that they want to move forward and take a proactive role in cleaning up the sport. And that's Sebastian Coe's problem. For the athletes, and, and I didn't hear what Matthew Quinn had to say, but I can guess at it, is that, and, and I, I say this also speaking as a fan of the sport, someone who follows it, we know that athletes will look for any advantage they can find. We sort of accept that human nature is that if there's a way to get ahead, we will take it, even if it involves cheating. That's a given. But what this has shown is that the people who are supposed to look after the sport, the laboratories, the governing officials and so forth, they are also complicit in the problem. Now, that leaves you wondering where do you go? Like, who can you trust? The athletes are going to cheat. The officials are going to enable it. And in the case of Lamine Diak, they're going to benefit financially from it by, by extorting money from athletes. It's just, it's just every single avenue of trust has been taken away, and it's a super difficult situation for the sport to emerge from. Mm. There's a lot more coming out of this, and I asked Matt this question too. The, the focus on, on this report obviously is what's happening in, in Russia, but it's a lot more widespread than that. I think the last time you and I spoke was, was around the, the, the Galen Rupp and Mo Farah and Alberto Salazar issue at the, at the Oregon Project. So there, there's lots of, of uh, sort of dark clouds in various pockets within the sport. Could South Africa be affected? Are, are South African athletes doing the same thing? Brad, you'd be naive to say no, and, and you'd be making the same mistake of, of blind patriotism that so many people have made in the past. You know, this, this issue is already in danger of becoming a us versus them, the evil Russian empire against the good Western countries. And it's almost like Rocky IV, Ivan Drago against Rocky Balboa, good versus evil kind of thing. And, and, and a lot of that is driven by patriotism. You know, when, when Lance Armstrong was dominating cycling, Americans didn't want to hear about doping because he was their guy. Now he's no longer there, and they're willing to listen to accusations about athletes from other countries, but it's the British who don't want to hear. The, the, the patriotic nationalist bias is a big barrier, and if I stood here today and said to you, South Africa's clean, we can be confident, I'd be lying because I don't know that that's the case. I, I'd like to think from knowing the people involved in South Africa's anti-doping movement, that they are not, so <laughs> they're not complicit in doping. I'm, I'm pretty confident I can stand here and say we are not involved in statewide doping like Russia. But how do you know what an athlete is doing away from the sport when he's got three months in out of competition training and his access to steroids through gyms is not that difficult and so on? How, how can you possibly guarantee that there's no doping? So. I hope not, but I wouldn't rule it out. Ross, if you look at what happened in cycling and, and the cloud that was over so many of the cyclists, particularly around the Tour de France, it's starting to look exactly the same within, within, uh, within athletics. 
one of the athletes that's been, been fingered in this thing that the reporters have suggested a lifetime ban is uh, Maria uh, Savanova, who was the 800-meter yeah. world champion, and she also won Olympic gold where, in a race where Custis Semenya came second in both of those. So if she does get a lifetime ban, obviously those results will be overturned, which means Custer would obviously benefit and, and would be promoted from silver to gold. But it, it, it then goes on. If, if you look at the history of, of, of Custer Semenya's athletics career, there's obviously been controversy around her as well. It, it, the lines are very blurred. It's a very, very difficult situation that, that athletics and sport in general is in at the moment. Yeah, so obviously with Semenya, it's a little different. It's not an issue of doping. doping yeah. It's the issue around gender and sex and so on. Um, <laughs> so I'm almost like tongue-in-cheek say, well, then let's skip Caster and give it to the lady who came third. But hang on, that was a Russian athlete who's also been recommended for a lifetime ban. And that's the problem. Is like, where do you where do you find athletes to trust when the tools that we've developed... And, and uh, look, over the last 10 years, the tools that have been developed to try and restrict doping and catch it have certainly improved, right? And we could have a lot more confidence in those tools. But what this event and this scandal does is it says that it doesn't matter how good your tools are. Good old-fashioned extortion, bribery, and corruption make them absolutely irrelevant. So there's, there's, there's no trust left in the system, and that's the biggest problem. So, so yes, it's good that Savinova got caught, and it's good that the woman who came third, Poistagova, got caught. But but you, there's no guarantee that what you're replacing is not exactly like for like. And the other problem is that, yes, it's great, so then you might get upgraded to two gold medals, and that's good for her. But I was reading earlier today, there's an American 800-meter runner who is effectively looking at $600,000 worth of prize money and three medals that have been denied to her by these athletes. So part of me thinks better late than never, but part of me also thinks, you know, if that's the situation, then... then when we watch the Olympics next year, we'll see the medal ceremony and we'll say, hey, I wonder if this medal ceremony and this podium will be the same in two years' time or if there's just uh, everything's written in pencil because we might have to change it in the future. Yeah, and it's sad because athletes get denied their moment. They work so hard and they don't get to stand on that podium. I mean, yes, Custer Semenya stood there as a silver medalist, but she could have been a gold medalist. So it is extremely sad and, and the consequences are far-reaching. Professor Rostucker, thank you so much for joining us on SAFM Sports Trap this evening. Much appreciated. We look forward to catching up again soon. Yes, thanks, Brad. Always good to chat. Thank you. SAFM Sports Wrap. This is South Africa's news and information leader. I'd love to get your thoughts on this whole IAAF doping saga. You can SMS 34701. Those SMSs are charged at one round. Time to shift focus now to cricket. And we're in the middle of uh, the 2015 Ram Slam T20 competition. It's been an interesting start uh, to that competition so far. The Dolphins, four from four. They're looking very, very good this season uh, with a pretty impressive uh, new personnel in Kevin Peterson. One of the teams that uh, a lot is expected from is the Cape Cobras. They're up against the VKB Knights tomorrow in Kimberley. And we join now by their coach, Paul Adams. Paul, welcome on to SAFM Sports Trap. Thanks for joining us tonight. Good day. Uh, it's a little bit late in the afternoon. Has it cooled down in Kimberley yet? It's been extremely hot and uh, probably more, more. it's going to be more of the same tomorrow, I think. Yeah, it's, it's extremely hot here and very dry. So um, with all the water shortages and everything happening, it's, uh, it's, it's an extreme uh, conditions that we'll be playing in. Well, as far as uh, the, the sort of water shortages, does that, that affect, uh, obviously it'll affect the outfield, but would that affect, uh, affect the, 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 the strip at all that you'll be playing on tomorrow? Yeah, it's 
with the amount of heat, it's, it's quite tough to 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 produce a wicket that that's got moisture and all those stuff in. So it will be quite a, a tight surface. Um, so, but generally, at in Kimberley, it's a good one, um, good wicket. You just hope that it doesn't break up, you know. So hopefully, the groundsman have uh, measured up uh, the the way how they prepared. So we had a look at it today. Uh, it looks looks alright. It can be on the on the slow side, maybe. Looking, looking ahead to that clash, uh, the Knights haven't won one yet. They've only played two. They, they won behind you as far as numbers of, of games played. Uh, they, they've got a pretty impressive side. They've got a, a very impressive management team. It's, uh, I don't want to say they're due for a win, but you'll hope that that form continues tomorrow. Yeah, look, we've, we've also been very inconsistent. We've only got the one out of our three. Um, so it's important for us to, to try and grab some points here. Um, uh, especially, yeah, during a, a period where we, we missed some key players. Bonnell was injured on, on Sunday a little bit still. So hopefully we're hoping to be ready, um, actually tomorrow. Um, so key game for us to just keep us in the loop of, on the log, um, with the Dolphins running away. Um, so it's important that we, we maybe start kicking sooner now than, than later. Um, and, it's, you want to kick in the right stages of this competition, so you get, get momentum towards the business end. And, and you talk about the Dolphins, who are almost running away from from everyone at the moment. They're next after after the night. So tomorrow's game is vital with regards to getting some momentum and, and confidence going into that clash. Yeah, very important. Um, and yeah, if we've got some key players here, uh, which which need to put in some big performances. So we'll be looking at our senior guys to to really rally the troops and make sure our intensity is right. Um, and that's, uh, yeah, it's, it's the boys want to start and, and make sure that they're up for the job. Paul, you mentioned that inconsistency, one from three. You, you set high standards for yourself and, and for the team as well. Where, where do you think you really need to improve? Where, where have you been coming up short so far in, in the competition? We, the game we won against the... Warriors, we, we bowled very well and fielded, and we put them under pressure there. Um, and the other games, probably if you identify the period, was it's probably around the 7 to 14, 12 over there. Um, the knocking the ball around against the spin. We, we could all try, um, up, up here in the high south and that. So we've got to play those periods really well as a batting unit to make sure we've got some momentum going at the back. Um, so we've just been sort of, uh, losing momentum towards the back end there. So we, hopefully we've addressed it now and players really look to, to, to play those periods really well. Well, when, when T20 cricket first came onto the scene, there was obviously a lot of novelty around it and, and there were various approaches on, on how to, to approach a game. H- have things settled from a, a playing and, and management perspective that you can go in? Yes, it's 20 overs, but 20 overs is still a long time and you can build innings. H- has it settled down and, and you go into a game with specific game plans as opposed to just going out there and, and seeing how hard you can hit the thing from ball one? Yeah, I think you have certain players that do certain roles within the team. Um, but ultimately, if you just try and limit your dots and when you bowl, you try and gain the dots, which pulls pressure on teams and, 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 and take wickets. Um, so it, it's, it's up to really your personnel and how you put them together um, and, and, and giving them options of how they can score and, and rotate it and, and look at your opposition as well um, on, on, on what, they, what they're doing and, uh, and how you play it. So there is a bit of a science, and um, it, it really tests all three aspects of the game, batting, bowling, and then especially fielding. Um, the fielding can win your game out of out of nowhere, so it's important that you, your side is really 
um, up there with the intensity and, and really on the ball that they don't take the foot off the, the, the pedal. Paul Adams, always great to catch up. Good luck for that clash tomorrow and also the one on the weekend against the Dolphins. going to be two great encounters. We look forward to watching it and uh, best of luck for the rest of the season. Cool. Take care and, uh, and take care of yourself. You're listening to Sport on SAFM, the next best thing to being at the game. And that's about it for SAFM Sports Wrap this evening. Uh, interesting show, and thank you to all our guests, Matthew Quinn, Brunt de Villiers, as well as Professor Ross Tucker and Paul Adams. Much appreciated. And I can tell you that uh, it's just been announced that WADA has suspended the Moscow uh, testing lab. Uh, so, yeah, it's starting, and we'll follow this story very, very closely. Coming up on the other side of 7 o'clock, it is time for the talk shop. If you have any comments or suggestions, or if you'd like to get in touch, you can find us on social media. Just search for SAFM Sports Trap. We'll have more sport tomorrow morning with Janet Witten. Have yourself a wonderful evening. Right now, it is 7 o'clock, and Greg Coase has got your news.